Happy Monday as you're tuned in to another edition of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Monday, July the 31st. I am your host, Donald Ware. And appropriately, we're going to stick with the MEAC on today as we're going to take a look at North Carolina A&T today as we ended last week by taking a look at North Carolina Central. As a matter of fact, it was media day for the MEAC in Norfolk on Friday and the Eagles were picked to finish first in the MEAC on this year. And so uh, the Aggies picked to finish second in the MEAC. And we're going to talk about North Carolina A&T on today. Full disclosure, I am the play-by-play voice for the North Carolina A&T Aggies. So I'm going to be as uh, objective as can possibly be as I can possibly be for our HBCU football daily podcast. So I want to start here because I think that if you're going to talk about North Carolina A&T in 2017, then what it means is you have to talk about the Aggies from 2016 and all that Tariq Cohen, the running back, was able to accomplish, became the MEAC's all-time leading rusher, rushed for over 5,000 yards, put up more phenomenal numbers on last year, including rushing for 18 touchdowns in 2016. By the way, 1,588 yards averaged 7.5 yards per carry uh, to boot. And you have to start there because the question is, well, how do you replace, how do you in fact replace a guy like a Tariq Cohen and 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 I'm, and I'm sorry not replace a guy like a Tariq Cohen because you cannot but how do you move on from not now having a Tariq Cohen who you had essentially as your starting running back well he was the starting running back the last three years essentially the starting running back for four years and we're going to talk more about that but I, I want to start by talking about 2016 which was a solid year for North Carolina a and I mean, you're talking about a team that goes up to Kent, Ohio, um, second game of the season and defeats FBS opponent Kent State in four overtimes. So the, the beginning and then the next week losing to Tulsa, but that's an FBS program that's on another level. So and then into MEAC play, it was very good until you get to the Aggie Eagle Rivalry, which has been the nemesis for this North Carolina A&T football program for the now last three years as North Carolina Central has had A&T's number. And in Durham, the Aggies fall to the Eagles 42-21, to a dominating performance really by the Eagles on both the offensive and defensive sides of the football. Even with that, uh, again, as I mentioned, a good season for A&T, uh, 9-2 and two at that point. They earned an at-large berth in the FCS playoffs, went up to Richmond. Um, I remember Richmond opened with the football. Richmond decided to go for it on fourth and two. I think it, was, it may have been fourth and one, fourth and two from its own 40-yard line. A&T stopped them and then went down and was able to score a touchdown and went up seven nothing. But that was pretty much it for A&T after that. I think there, you know, I, I think there may still have been some carryover from the loss uh, at North Carolina Central 
the week before and the way in which A&T lost and the MEAC championship was on the line. And then Richmond, uh, who had a who has a good program and had a good team, uh, I don't think they were as had as dominating a team um, as they did, especially when you look at A&T and the body of work that they had in 2016. But they worked A&T over in that FCS playoff game. So uh, the Aggies have put 2016 behind them. 2017 is here. They've gone through the spring drills. And uh, so I go back to the original question. How do you move on without Tariq Cohen, who, by the way, when we release the 125 most influential uh, coaches slash players of all time in HBCU football, I think Tariq Cohen has to be on the list, even though everything is fresh. um, I, I think with all of the national exposure uh, with him being such a great player and then the national exposure that it brought to not only North Carolina A&T, but also that it brought, brought to the MEAC. Um, I think with all of that and then the production on the field, he, he he has to be in this list. But again, how do you go on with a guy um, that uh, is no longer with your program? Well, I think in the backfield from a running back position, watch out for Marquel Cartwright. Now, this is a young man that didn't have a whole lot of playing time on last year because he was injured, but he's a redshirt junior, and he's very much like a Tariq Cohen, except he's bigger, so he can run between the tackles. He's extremely hard to bring down. I I don't know that he has the same speed that Tariq Cohen has, but he's got tremendous speed and is a bigger guy at 5'8", 201 pounds, whereas Tariq Cohen was 5'6", 173 pounds. So he's much bigger. He can run between the tackles. And so I think um, the the Aggies are going to be in really, I think, in really, really, really good shape behind the play of Marquel Cartwright, um, provided that... Cartwright can in fact stay healthy. Amos Williams also saw time at running back, so he returns. But also, watch out for a young man by the name of Jamari Smith. He's a transfer from the University of South Carolina. And if you know this program and you know head coach Rod Broadway, they don't ANT doesn't take a whole lot of transfers. But this young man was part of their recruiting class. He comes in as a transfer. He played as a true freshman at the University of South Carolina. He actually redshirted last year because of injury. But he was a a really, really good running back when he played high school football in Florida and more specifically uh, in Jacksonville. And so I think that the Aggies are going to be pretty solid at the running back position. In the backfield, and and let's talk about the quarterback position because really, I think things changed for A&T when quarterback Lamar Raynard went down with injury. And once Raynard went down with injury uh, prior to the Delaware State game, um, the Delaware State game was the game before North Carolina Central. If Raynard plays, maybe the Central game is different. But Raynard was having a really good season prior to injuries, completing 65% of his passes, 1,489 yards, 14 touchdowns, and six interceptions. He returns at the quarterback position. Also returning, and and by the way, Raynard, first team, all MEAC on the preseason list. 
Um, also, Kyle Carter should also be returning from injury. This is a young man um, who who was injured, as a matter of fact, in the Kent State game on last year. And so you're going to have a really good starting quarterback and a good backup. And then A&T also brought in uh, a couple of signees as well. I, I think if you talk with uh, with Coach Broadway, you know, I, I think even though they've got some uh, a solid offensive line who pretty much played together all of last year, he probably would tell you that he still feels that the offensive line um, needs some work. And I think that even though pretty much the offensive line is returning, I think I think the point would be made because during uh, the signing uh, period, as a matter of fact, in, in the initial signing day on February 1st, A&T signed five offensive linemen, and you already have a situation where most of the offensive linemen uh, come back. But there's no disputing the play of Brandon Parker, who is the reigning two-time MEAC Offensive Lineman of the Year. This young man is a redshirt senior. He's a pro prospect, 6'7", 309 pounds. So there's no disputing, um, obviously, what he's going to bring to the table. Um, also returning is Dariel Mack at center, who was a first-team All-MEAC guy on last year. So running uh, offensive line, um, you got a couple of guys that really can get it done and um, but I think overall the offensive line is going to be solid. Then you talk about the wide receiver position. It is absolutely tremendous when you got guys, um, you know, Chris Garden comes back. And he's going to have more of a role in this year's offense. You know, Denzel Keys was their big play guy. You know, he's gone, signed a, a free agent deal to play in the National Football League. But you got Garden coming back. Um, and then also at the tight end position, Leroy Hill. But the guy to watch out for at the receiver position, who I think is the best receiver returning in the MEAC, is Elijah Bell. He was the MEAC's Rookie of the Year on last year. He's a guy from West Virginia. Listen to the numbers. 35 receptions, 631 yards, 8 touchdowns, 18 yards per reception. I think by the time it is all said and done, he's going to be A&T's greatest receiver particularly from a numbers perspective and then maybe one of the best provided he doesn't get healthy this young man has got the size he's a big kid okay he's a big wide receiver but also um a right a, a, a wide receiver that can also run so i i think by the time it's all said and done this young man is going to be one of the best to ever have done it in the MEAC. and by the way uh, I mentioned his size, you know, uh, a, a, a a bigger kid at 221 pounds um, at, at about 6'3". I mean, this is a young man that can really, really get it done. Where the Aggies hung their hat last year was on the defensive side of the football and, and really probably more so up until the uh, North Carolina Central game where uh, the Eagles put, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, in excess of 400 yards of total offense – the the run stopping ability of ANT is absolutely tremendous it is one of the best and has been one of the best in all of FCS ever since Rod Broadway uh, initially came to ANT in 2011 and his philosophy is stop the run first and that is what the Aggies have been able to do is to stop the run first 
the pass defense, now that's a little bit more of a challenge and something that A&T is definite, is, it has to sort of be mindful of. Um, they, they, again, did a tremendous job of stopping the run overall. Again, um, the Eagles were able to get loose on them, but throughout the course of the season, uh, nobody really ran on North Carolina A&T. A lot of teams passed and were able to pass the ball on North Carolina A&T. So they're going to have to uh, do a bit of a better job of that. I mean, key losses on defense include Marquise Raglan at one defensive end, uh, Angelo Keys at another defensive end. I mean, these guys were big-time players that the Aggies are going to have to try and replace. But that defensive line is absolutely tremendous. And I... You know, I, I don't necessarily want to call it a plug-and-play situation because you had some legitimate guys, two of the ones that I just pointed out. But a lot of times you can kind of really bring guys in and they can go and get the job done. So A&T definitely, um, I think, is going to be good in terms of being able to stop the run. And, they're, they're I mean, they're going to have to be better in terms of stopping the pass as well. When you take a look at North Carolina A&T schedule, it's an interesting schedule. Um, as a matter of fact, you got uh, a non-traditional or, or really uh, three non-traditional opponents for North Carolina A&T. They open the schedule um, at Gardner-Webb, an FCS opponent. Then Mars Hill comes to Aggie Stadium. And then um, the Aggies play against FBS opponent Charlotte in Charlotte before opening up MIAC play against Morgan State. And really, A&T, for the Aggies, four of their first five games are on the road. That is very, very significant, including three straight on the road, Charlotte, Morgan State, and then South Carolina State as well. And by the way, Morgan State comes back on the schedule for the Aggies in 2017 homecoming uh, the greatest homecoming on earth as it's known is going to be a little bit early this year on October the 7th so it's important for the Aggies um, to get out to a good start they want to have a good season I mean they're going to have to at least um, be able to win three um, of those first five games on the road and <laughs> definitely you want to win against Morgan State and South Carolina State. you got to be able to pick up those MEAC wins. So that's a look at North Carolina A&T for the upcoming 2017 season. On tomorrow, we're going to take a look at Savannah State. Savannah State facing some challenges in 2017, um, not only with the APR situation, but also the Savannah State athletics program is reclassifying to Division Two, So this year they will play in the MEAC. I believe also in 18 they're going to play in the MEAC. And then they're going to begin Division Two play in 2019. So we're going to talk about the Savannah State Tigers on tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Monday. If you've missed any of our podcasts, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com. You can either listen to the podcasts online or you can download them. And we'll talk with you tomorrow. Yes. Yes.